Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today, and in this episode, David Wald, CEO and co-founder of Acclaimant, discusses the unique safety risks and regulatory challenges construction companies will be facing this winter due to the pandemic, and the role technology can play in helping to both mitigate risks and ensure your business maintains compliance in what is an ever-changing regulatory environment. Let's dig in with David now. David, thank you for joining me today. Um, I, I would, would like to start off by learning a little bit more about your background and about Acclaimant and how the, the company came about. Absolutely. Um, and thank you very much for, for having me here. We're, we're super excited to be included um, with these conversations uh, because there's so many of them right now and, and they're all so relevant. Um, so uh, I'll start with my background. Um, so uh, David Wald, one of the co-founders and the CEO of Acclaimant. Um, uh, my background before starting this business uh, with two other wonderful individuals um, was actually uh, in the world of uh, venture capital um, and technology companies. So I spent uh, about a decade or so with a team that founded Groupon um, and their venture fund. Um, and then after that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, back, back before it even became public, it was kind of one of those things where you get it up there and you're like, oh, this is awesome. There's so right. many cool things happening. Um, and then I actually uh, worked in one of their, uh, their portfolio companies to kind of help build out um, a technology company that was working on making it easier for people to, to be more active investors. Um, we grew that company to about 200 people or so. Um, and then a claimant came along. Um, and so uh, at a claimant, um, we're building, uh, we call them insight driven workflow solutions for safety and risk managers. So it's a mouthful, but in plain English, our goal is to help companies be safer more easily and more deptly, so more adeptly react when things go wrong in their business. So taking the worlds of safety and risk management, making them simple, easy, and digital, putting them in a simple box and letting companies go ahead and try to make their environments uh, safer from the inside out. Um, we've been around for this point in time now since almost 2014, so about seven years. Uh, we work with thousands of companies across the United States uh, and around the rest of the world. Um, we've had some great success in verticals, um, especially in construction. Um, and uh, yeah, really excited to be here today. Great. And speaking of safety, I think one of the things that um, we certainly want to look at is what's some of the challenges are for the construction industry as we're heading into the winter months because it presents some some obviously unique challenges no matter what the circumstances might be. But when you're looking at a year that includes a pandemic, there's some very unique challenges. Can you talk about what are some of the, the, the risks that contractors normally face, but also what are some of the added risks that are in that they may see this year that they've never seen in the past. Yes, um, well, it, it's kind of one of those years that, that is challenging for everybody, but more challenging for people, um, uh, especially in the construction space. Um, and uh, there are things that are safety related, there are things that are more macro. So we'll kind of go on the big list and kind of dive in wherever, wherever you want. Um, so we're gonna think about the macro environment. Um, one of the things we found that's very interesting, obviously, is um, you know, a ton of construction companies that have any kind of public projects um, are reliant on federal, state, and municipal governments in order to fund them, given what's happening across everything with tax dollars and budget shortfalls. That's kind of one of the things we've seen hold up kind of potential projects going forward, which has been just an interesting uh, anecdote to kind of see unrelated to safety and risk. You have the actual uh, work 
supply. Um, so uh, the pandemic itself is causing, um, you know, all different kinds um, of issues around, uh, can you get the people to come to the workplace? Are there outbreaks at work? Um, uh, you know, can we actually legally work in it's kind of all state by state indifference. So the more states a contractor or a subcontractor is in, the more different things they have to navigate in terms of how to keep business safe, how to make sure they're complying with regulations. Do I stay open? Am I essential or non-essential? And then you have all the things associated with just construction in the winter, um, freeze, cold, frost, uh, people getting sick and going down from even this kind of flu um, and colds, which are still a thing, even though you also have the pandemic going. Right. Um, uh, and then, you know, wrap that all together. It's created a very, very interesting um, and I'll say challenging, uh, to say the least, environment for kind of uh, for contractors at this time of year. Absolutely. And I think that um, one of the things that makes it really interesting is that they're having to not just deal with traditional challenges, but they're having to deal with all of, you know, and regulatory things that they always mm -hmm. have to deal with. But they're also facing additional CDC regulations as a result of COVID. Can you talk mm -hmm. about some of that and what that's, how that's factoring into things? Oh, yeah, it is. Um, uh, it, it's created, um, I think, kind of three, we look at it kind of in a, in a lens of three. And um, you'll, you'll just be, everything I do always is in three, how my mind works. Um, but we kind of look at it as there's kind of three, three different things that people have to do. Um, there is complying with regulation. Um, and that's, you know, CDC, uh, there's things happening with OSHA, there's state and federal governments that are kind of imposing certain rules on how things have to go. So that's kind of part one is kind of checking the box and saying, I'm being compliant. Um, part two is um, uh, then doing the things that you're saying you're doing. So getting the paperwork done and then actually doing the actions. And then the third thing, which is happening now, which is also very interesting, is they're having to now take different kinds of approaches to ensure that their business is uh, sustainable going forward. Um, and by that, I mean things like um, it, you can, for example, require everybody wears masks at the workplace, which will check a box for the compliance function and also kind of it that you then are enacting, but there may be things you have to do that are beyond just putting masks on people to make sure that you don't have an outbreak at your workplace because an outbreak at your workplace because you didn't go that extra step beyond which is what's required regulatorily can potentially take down an entire construction site, put you at risk for all kinds of class action lawsuits or the, uh, the attorneys right now who are out there just salivating for all different ways to kind of get people and get businesses. Um, uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, it's kind of created this, this three-pronged approach of like doing the right thing, um, following the actual letter to law regulations, and then kind of making sure the agencies and the governments that are governing you are all kind of being part of your plan here. So it's created this kind of multifaceted approach, which is uh, ever-evolving um, uh, and kind of constantly changing. Sure. And I suspect that there's going to be even more change as we see the next presidential administration come in, um, regardless what your perspective is on the election, obviously, yep. whoever comes in next, there's going to be changes. Um, and at this point, it appears to be um, that Biden will be moving in. And he has some very different opinions of what it should be done in terms of regulation surrounding the pandemic. Can, can we talk a little bit about what you're hearing on that front? Yep, uh, absolutely. And I think that there's, 
it, there's kind of a couple of big unknowns. And I think, you know, one of the things that we recently went through, um, we actually have a, a downloadable PDF on our website. Um, we kind of went through and just compared state regulations across 30 different states, 30 of the, the, the states that were the first to kind of put executive orders, mandates, or kind of other legislation around what's happening. And it, it kind of spans the gambit, as you'd imagine, from some states who say, hey, here's the things you recommend to some states saying, hey, if you do these things, you will not have liability. Some states saying, hey, you have to do these things. Um, and it's creating all different kinds of inconsistency because some states, the sub levels of government can go more restrictive and some states they can only go less restrictive. Um, and it's kind of again created all these weird dynamics. We found as we were doing the project that the actual states are changing these legislations and these regulations every week in some cases. And the CDC is publishing new guidelines every couple of days or week, it's always changing. And so we're finding that most contractors and most businesses are actually hiring on a medical advisor, a chief medical officer, or they're partnering with hospitals of some kind to have somebody who actually understands these things because there's so many things you have to be aware of. Our temperature taking, is it a thing? Is it not a thing? Do I have to do it legally? Am I required? Is it going to help or not? Can we actually legislate that people take vaccines when they come out or not? Can we require it as an employer? Again, all kinds of really weird issues that are coming up that people have never had to think about before. Right. And the worst part about this now is that the price you pay for being wrong, um, it used to be like, so take the world of safety. It used to be if you've done a safe work site, like you may have, absolute worst case, you may have one person die at the site, which is a horrible thing. Just throw out there. And that may happen, you know, once a year in a super freak accident. Now, if you don't make a good decision when you have an exposure at the workplace, you could potentially have hundreds or thousands of employees who get sick and are down for a week to two weeks instantly, of which if the population is big enough, people may die. So your, your reaction time has dropped significantly um, in terms of what you're able to do. So it's created this really weird dynamic. Um, but your question about the administration, I think the thing that we expect to see is that you will have another set of guidance and regulations that comes out. Um, it's our hope um, that that is used to unify uh, the state government with the federal government and the, you know, the municipal government with the state government. Um, but at this point in time, it's still unclear to us if it will be an additional set of regulation that sits on top um, or it will be a digital set of regulation that starts to go ahead and drive everybody together. Um, and I think that, you know, you, unfortunately, right now, will see fights every which way in every course and you can imagine about what is and isn't required. Um, I think the only thing we find that's the most relevant for businesses right now is independent of what the kind of top letter of the law of the land may be, um, independent of when it changes. Um, we've, I think there's what's been created right now, which is the biggest concern for contractors is what's called standard of care. Um, and what that means is, if the state of Virginia says, here is the things that we expect every business to do, even if the state doesn't come and say, here is uh, why you're wrong, I'm gonna fine you for it because I don't have the resources to do it. It opens the door for uh, the plaintiff's bar to come in and say, by the way, somebody got sick. You didn't follow the publicly mandated regulations that you were required to kind of follow and therefore you have not followed through the standard of care that as an employer, you're required to follow through on. So yeah, it's a mess. So hopefully perhaps we'll see some more consistency in terms of, of all of this. 
to be determined, obviously. I mean, that, that's yep. no way to know for sure how that's going to all play out. But I think the question then is, what can contractors do right now to make sure that they are managing the challenges that, that they have to be able to not only keep employees safe on the site, but also make sure that they're maintaining compliance with whatever they're facing within the, the areas that they're working. Yep. Great question. And by the way, that is the most important question. Um, I think okay. the way that we, we kind of thought, thought about it, right. And we've talked about it with a number of companies and these companies range from hundreds of thousands of employees down to 10. Um, and I think that the moral of the story is nobody has a clue what they're doing, but everybody's trying to do their best. Um, and I think that that's like the single biggest piece of advice that we have, which is something is better than nothing. Um, being perfect is absolutely impossible here. So we kind of think about it in, in kind of a couple of buckets for people, right? Number one is um, like have a team that is dedicated to solving this that is cross-functional because we're finding that, you know, it's a combination of uh, security, uh, risk management, safety, HR, operations, and the leadership team who kind of are normally sitting in some kind of cross-functional body here in almost every organization who is like responsible for reopening planning and what are we doing and who are we responsible for? Um, number two, find a medical expert partner. Um, and we talked about that earlier, you know, whether it's, you know, someone from Johns Hopkins, you can, there are a bunch of consultants who were chief medical officers of big companies or hospitals or contagious disease experts. Um, find a credible one because there's a bunch of scam artists out there, but there are definitely some really solid ones. We kind of work with a couple ourselves. Um, and number three, have a plan and get started. Um, because you have to start somewhere. So the things you kind of find that are most important places for people to begin with are, you know, preventing sick employees from showing up at the workplace. So pre-employment screening, um, or sorry, pre-employee uh, visit screening. Um, I'm sure you've seen the boarding passes, you know, have you, do you have symptoms? Have you been on some of symptoms? Have you traveled? If it's no, don't show up to work, call HR. If it's yes, show up to work. Um, and then a plan for sick employees who are exposed. Who are you going to call? What do you have to do? Are you going to quarantine the entire worksite or the person who's involved? The people know what needs to happen. And then a communication plan with the employers. I think the biggest thing we're finding is your employees are your assets. If you can't engage them in this process, they will look at it as evil and bad and some other way for the employer out to get me. If you let them know things like, by the way, if you're sick, we have paid medical leave for you or you're covered by STD or you're covered by whatever it is, open communication so employees feel like they are part of the solution and that part of the problem is like the key piece for wrapping it together. And we obviously building software systems recommend having a system to help with all these things. Um, and I know I have an internal bias there, but <laughs> the fact that you need to have such real-time communication, so many processes that are changing all the time. It's a lot of work for people in an environment when you had full staff that could travel and it was a good economy. In a bad economy, when you're contracting team members, having a system to help keep everything organized and automated will alleviate pressures internally because people still have to run their business. And this is in, self, in and of itself a full-time job for multiple people in almost any organization. And, and since you bring up the whole aspect of technology, what do you, role do you see it playing in helping to develop these kind of best practices and, and safety standards and, and to help mitigate the risks on the job sites? Um, what role do you see it taking, not only during the pandemic, but in general going forward? Yeah, um, I, I think it, it's playing a significant component in a really, really cool and exciting way. Um, and I, I think that there's there's been this balance, especially in the world of, of you know contractors and of construction, 
where you have an industry that that has historically been slow to adopt technology because most of what's happening isn't in an environment that's conducive to saying, oh, I can just go put a computer out here because we're at a work site that's potentially outdoors where it's going to rain, freeze and hail, where you have people moving huge, you know, blocks and machines in. Um, and if the things aren't built to work in that environment, it's not going to be possible. Um, I think that's kind of an older way of thinking. And it's now evolved to the point where people are recognizing there's a ton of really, really cool and really, really innovative things that are happening in the world of safety, prevention, EHS, as it relates to the contractor environment. Um, and so uh, we'll first talk a little bit about kind of at least where I think the role is. And I'm happy to get into the details of some of the cool stuff that we're seeing uh, because it's like there's a bunch of our partners and a bunch of what I've been speaking to, they're doing incredible things. But I think the short version is we look at it as staff augmentation. Um, and I think that the real idea here is if you imagine the amount of safety work that you can have a foreman or a super do, or even a dedicated safety team member, they're limited to their field of vision, their sphere of influence, um, and the things they can kind of touch with their hands. Um, and that's helpful and it's important. It's a key part of the process. Someone wants to know, do I light this thing on fire? Do I cut this block? Like they should have an idea. Like, was this checked and are we safe to do whatever I'm doing next? Absolutely. Important part of coaching process, et cetera. We see technology and technologies being able to do a number of things that help people ensure that their sphere of influence is wider. So everything from wearables to devices you can hold in your hand that kind of help people know what to do and when to do at any point in time. Things for monitoring and measuring, um, you know, uh, humidity, heat, uh, audio noise um, at work sites to make sure that there isn't an explosion or a fire or things like that. The use of all kinds of crazy robots, which still blew my mind, whether it's drones to monitor sites or things to go around and map the sites. And then kind of the combination of both technology, data sets, um, and then video that can be then used to kind of encompass a site to basically give you real-time insight into what everyone's doing at every point in time to make sure everyone's as safe as they can be with the ultimate goal of being help people focus on doing their job and give them everything else they need to go ahead and be safe while they're doing their job because everybody wants to show up in the morning, do their job, and get home to their family at night. And I think safety will enable all those things. The technologies that are enabling of that um, will just make that more and more and more effective over time. And I think if you can look at a, any kind of a bright side to what's been happening with the pandemic, it seems like the acceleration of technology adoption is probably one of the key things. People are actually looking at it as a potential solution. So I think some of the technologies you mentioned, even though they sounded like pie in the sky, maybe even two years ago, maybe even 12 months ago, now all yep. of a sudden they are very viable on in a lot of cases. So I yes. think that's, it's a very exciting time for the industry in that, that regard, even despite all the challenges. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think one of the, the interesting dynamics about why I think technology has had such um, uh, an acceleration here, at least from our perspective, is, is really twofold. Um, one of them is, um, you had people who were used to being together to solve problems who now were no longer able to travel. Um, and so especially safety members of teams were used to being at a job site. They could talk about problems and see what was happening. And now you say, okay, you can't be there. And I still have to do my job. So it's created this kind of physical gap that had to be solved. So technology was the easy answer there. The other thing that was really interesting was, and it goes back to the COVID conversation, um, is the amount of change in the amount of additional processes that have now been imposed on businesses combined with the reduction in staff 
um, kind of created this discrepancy where you couldn't just say, oh, you know, I'll have David or I'll have Maggie deal with that. It's how am I going to screen 65,000 employees every single day? Like that's it. Even if it was two minutes to screen somebody, that's a hundred people every single day. It's not possible. So it's kind of forcing the adoption of either systems, technologies, sensors, et cetera. And once you kind of crack that open, people are saying, well, this is great. I wonder if I could use this for fill in the blank ABCD once we get past this. And I think it's kind of start to go ahead and just compound those two things, physical distance and discrepancy and kind of workload and time to go ahead and scale for it that I think really created this change opportunity. Yeah, and I think there is a lot of opportunity in even in the time of a crisis, such as what we've been seeing. And I, I really appreciate all the insights you've given us on, on um, how to approach um, the construction process in, in these um, difficult times, especially during the winter months as, as we're looking at people working in more confined environments, um, the challenges that go along with all of that. Are there any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to share that, that can help people to kind of formulate how they might be able to get started and move forward so that they can ensure safety on their job sites? No, absolutely. I think that there's a couple of things that I think are really important. Um, uh, and I think one of the simplest ones that we kind of always talk about with our customers, um, and even if it's not to work with us, is um, start small. But start small with the expectation that you'll iterate as you go forward. I think, you know, buying technology in 2000 was this idea of I'm going to buy a system. It's going to take 18 months to get installed. I need a million dollar budget to go ahead and make it work. I got to call IT and get a server installed. I get, and, and that's not today. Today, it's I can solve my first problem first, but I want to do it with a partner or a system that will help me solve my second problem second and my third problem third. And then I think about going forward, I'm trying to figure out not necessarily how I change everything today, but how I have a meaningful pathway forward to solving the problems that are the most challenging for me, but also the most impactful to our organization. Um, and so whether that means you guys are looking at deploying sensors and wearables in one project or two projects, as long as a system like a claimant um, in, you know, at, to help manage uh, observations um, at job sites or take fives, whatever it may be, JHAs, um, or you're looking at kind of implementing a, you know, weather tracking system to kind of be more prepared for severe weather or monitoring the COVID pandemic and outbreak. I think that, you know, that the moral of it is um, it's one, start small, two, um, be prepared that you're going to fail. Um, not all the time, but you know, it's one thing when you're kind of used to talking about construction where you can't build a site that's not done. That, that, that's like not part of the mentality. It's not like you can say, I'll build this. And if it doesn't work out, we'll, get, we'll do better next time. But with technology solutions, you're trying to fix a problem that hasn't been fixed yet or solve a challenge that hasn't been solved yet. And so when you're doing something that's completely new, it's okay to fail two thirds of the time or half the time, but set things up in a way where if you fail, it's not disastrous, where your career is not in the line and where it's okay because you're really then pushing the envelopes and what can happen. And the last thing is get support from the organization because the reality of technology is that it's not about a single person's effort. These systems tend to span and the more inclusive they are, the more helpful they can be for solving real business challenges. So thinking about yourself in a box in isolation tends to be a problem. Thinking about how you can find the right team members to engage with you will actually make the installation of this process, uh, the changes you want to instill um, significantly easier, better, and more effective, which is what ultimately everybody wants to achieve. Great advice, David. I, I really appreciate the time you've given me today. And I think you've... Uh, 
provided some great insights here. Um, thank you again for joining us and I uh, appreciate the, your time and all the information you've provided. Absolutely, thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to David Wald at Acclaimant for taking the time to talk with us today. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.